Now that's a parking spot. Introducing the I may have underestimated the size of my car policy with accident forgiveness from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com. Optional policy features not included in base policies. Review policy for coverages and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Good morning and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. And it's a Friday, so you can call in and ask me anything. The phone number, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Continuing today to support the AFLAC Cancer and Blood Disorder Center, fighting childhood cancer uh, in the Southeast. One of the most, uh, one of the biggest uh, institutes in the nation fighting childhood cancer. Uh, Let me give you some facts. I mentioned this yesterday. Cancer, obviously, it's one of the leading causes of childhood death. One out of five kids who are diagnosed with cancer don't survive. uh, And that's actually a great increase. It used to be half of kids. Uh, Just 20 years ago, half of children diagnosed with cancer could die. Now, uh, one in five. It's a remarkable rate of success in the advancement of science. The Affleck Cancer Blood Disorder Center uh, newly diagnoses more than a single child every day. Only 4% of federal funding goes to childhood cancer research, means donor support is absolutely vital. Uh, Most federal cancer research goes to adult cancers, not childhood cancers. And the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center is ranked number one in the country for therapeutic and non-therapeutic oncology clinical trial enrollment. They've got access to over 400 clinical trials. Someone in your community has benefited. If you're listening to my voice right now, someone in your immediate community has benefited from the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Uh, We have 159 counties in Georgia, and the Cancer and Blood Disorder Center serves every single one of those counties, serves children in every single one of those counties. If you can donate, please do. And and you got a couple of things you can donate for uh, if you want to participate with me. I am going to, for $250, for a $250 donation, I'm going to invite four couples to come to my office in Atlanta and have gumbo with me. I will make it. I will serve it. it. It is my family recipe from Louisiana. It'll be chicken and sausage. It won't be shrimps for those who have shellfish allergies. Uh, it'll be a, an andouille and chicken uh, gumbo. You're going to want to come for it, uh, but it's $250. Now, I also have an amazing bourbon collection. And for $500, I will allow a couple to come. Uh, I think there are 20, 20 slots for 40 total people, uh, 20 couples to come and, and make their way through my bourbon collection. And uh, so what you do is I'm going to give you a phone number and you got to call and, and you make if you can give five dollars, if you can give ten dollars, you can give twenty dollars, please step up and help. Uh, this is the, the largest center in the southeast to help children fighting cancer. And they open their doors to all people of all needs, of all demographics, of all income levels. They do amazing stuff and it's 100 percent donor based that uh, they have art carts for the kids. Uh, they come through while the kids are just, uh, not feeling well. They, they have clowns that come through. They have video games the kids can play. They've got a, a hotel-like environment for families staying with kids so that they don't have to go out. Uh, very important in the, this day and age with coronavirus uh, to be able to do that. Uh, they, they have Thanksgiving meals prepared for people who are there during Thanksgiving or, or Christmas and Christmas presents. All of that is donor-based, donor-driven. 
All of it has to be budgeted based on the dollars people step up and give. And so I'm stepping up and giving you the right to drink through my bourbon collection or to for me to make gumbo uh, just so I get the opportunity to get you to participate to help fight childhood cancer. Nearly 16,000 children are diagnosed with cancer every year in the United States. And they have the largest pediatric hematology program in the country. They fight sickle cell anemia. They've got 2,000 sickle cell disease patients every year. They fight childhood cancer. They're caring for more than 750 children and young adults with brain tumors every year. Uh, They are the largest pediatric leukemia and lymphoma program in the country. They've got more than 800 children in that program every year. All of that is paid for with donor support. That's what you're helping. Uh, Every dollar you give is a dollar that benefits the program. And the phone number that you need to call if you want to participate is 888-750-2772, 888-750-2772. If you can, please step up and donate. If you're willing, please step up and donate. Uh, Please consider donating and helping a, a very worthy cause. And it's right here in Georgia. They have patients from all 159 counties. Uh, It doesn't matter what county you're in, Floyd, Habersham, Clark, uh, Douglas, Taylor, Bibb, Houston, Crawford, Jones, uh, Wheeler. It it doesn't matter. There is someone in your community who is having to drive up to Atlanta whose family is able to stay in a fantastic facility while they get cancer treatment. Their child gets cancer treatment because donors stepped up and you can be one of those donors. 888-750-2772. I cannot thank you enough. Now, I, 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 yesterday, it it really threw me off yesterday. It genuinely threw me off yesterday. In the middle of the program, as I was coming back from the 1025 break, uh, word broke that Herman Cain had died. The president uh, mentioned Herman Cain in a press conference yesterday. Let me begin by expressing our sadness at the passing of a wonderful man and a dear friend of mine, Herman Cain. He was a very special person. I got to know him very well. And unfortunately, he passed away from a thing called the China virus. And we send our prayers to Herman's great wife, Gloria, wonderful family. Uh, your prayers for the family. I, I've got to tell you, you, you can, you get a sense of just how crummy the national media is when they are attacking Herman Cain, claiming he got the virus by not wearing a mask at the uh, Trump event. You know, Herman Cain and I uh, are colleagues uh, through Cox Media Group at WSB. I would not actually be in radio except for Herman Cain. Uh, In 2010, Herman came to my Red State. It was actually, I got the timeline wrong when I wrote about it yesterday. Herman, actually, I was in Las Vegas for a conference, and Herman asked me to come over to a suite at the Wynn Hotel. And he talked to me about running for president. He wanted to run for president, what it would look like to run for president. Uh, and then I invited him to my Red State gathering in 2010, where he first said he was planning on running for president. In fact, it was actually Herman who pointed out to me afterwards it got so little buzz uh, that I needed to do better making sure the national press was at my events, uh, which we did the next year when Rick Perry announced he was going to run for president. 
Um, and uh, in fact, Herman was was a little bit miffed, I think, uh, that we we let Perry after he came in 2010 and did what he did. We had Perry at our Charleston event and, and kind of upstaged him on that. But, you know, for a time, Herman was the front runner in the Republican presidential race. Now, when he uh, dro- I took his job in radio in January of 2011, I was actually on the radio in Macon on WMAC filling in uh, for free at this time. And uh, they they hired me to replace Herman up at WSB in Atlanta. And I, I took the job January 11th, 2011. I had to sleep on the floor of the office for a week because there was an ice storm and I couldn't get home. I didn't have a, a studio set up like I do now in Macon so that I could drive back and forth. So I slept on the floor. I had a couple of nights in a hotel. I uh, wound up sleeping on the floor a few nights because the weather was so bad I just couldn't get back to the hotel. In fact, I remember at one point I was going down Peachtree Street in Atlanta. There was a Taco Mac and it was open uh, and I slid up on ice and got stuck. And uh, some of the the Georgia Tech kids were getting drunk at the Taco Mac because they had nothing better to do other than drink. And they they came out and helped push my car off the ice, uh, got it parked and then told me to come inside. And and I went inside and spent the rest of the day day drinking with with the college kids at Georgia Tech. It was a good day. Um, but nonetheless, uh, so I, I, I know Herman, uh, we've known each other for a while and he, there is this ghoulishness in the press to say that Herman got, uh, COVID-19 because he didn't wear a mask and that he went to the Trump rally and he probably got it from there. The level of speculation has been gross. Uh, Reuters actually tweeted out, uh, Herman Cain who didn't wear a mask died of coronavirus. Uh, that that was their biography of him. They would never do that for a Democrat. It's just ghoulish. Uh, I, I, you know, and, until these reporters uh, face retribution of some kind, they're not going to change. And I hate to be that way, but that's just the reality of it. There's no, there's going to be no disciplinary action taken at Reuters for saying something like that about Herman Cain that they would for a Democrat. And until there is uh, disciplinary action, for saying stuff like that, they're not going to change. They have every incentive not to change. But without giving away confidence, uh, I I can tell you definitively, 100% with certainty, that Herman did not have the virus at the rally and did not get the virus at the rally. Uh, Everyone who knows the situation actually knows what happened. There is no reason to broadcast it or relive it uh, because what you essentially are doing is you're assigning blame to others, and there's no point in doing that. But Herman did not get the virus at that rally. He did not have the virus when he went to the rally. Uh, Everyone who knows uh, knows what happened, and it is monumentally disgusting to see members of the media do what they're doing, casting aspersions on this man, distracting from his biography, from, from the, you know, he was a, a rocket engineer for the Navy. He was a, a small businessman. He became a big businessman. He became the CEO of a major corporation. He was a presidential candidate at one point, the front runner for the Republican nomination, the, the first black man to become front runner in the Republican nomination for president. You would think in an age of focusing on on race and Black Lives Matters and the like, it would be more significant to the press 
that the Republican Party advanced a, bl- a black man to front runner status in 2012 for the Republican nomination for president. But nope, they, they rendered it to he didn't wear a mask and got the virus, which is a complete bastardization of what actually happened. And they should be ashamed and they will not be ashamed. They will double down and they will politicize this man's death in a way that should a Republican do the same, they would be calling for that Republican's head. And until there is some sort of punishment in the the executive levels for the media behaving in this way, nothing will change. Nothing will change. If I said something like that about John Lewis, uh, the very same reporters who are attacking Herman Cain would be calling for my head. And they'll get away with it on this. Uh, There again, more of the media double standard. Um, There's no reason to rehash what happened other than Herman Cain is dead at 74 from coronavirus that he did not get at a rally. He did not have when he went to the rally and did not get because of the use of a mask or lack thereof. Those who know the situation know what happened. Uh, It is sad uh, to see him go and it is disgusting to see the media behaving the way the media is behaving. And frankly, these people need to repent. It is Eric Erickson here. It is 22 after the hour, and the phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you would like to be a part of the program, glad to have you with me today. You can ask me anything uh, by calling. Um, We don't kind of, we're a little looser on Friday. Now, uh, I, I, uh, you know what? Let me give you the good news here because because I'm, I'm trying to I'm tired of talking about the virus and I know you guys are too. And I, I've gotten more and more emails from people saying, is there nothing else to talk about? Yes, there's plenty to talk about, uh, but there is good news that you need to know about. I, I follow a website and I was a little bit skeptical of the website for a while. I was telling people to go to it, uh, but but I actually I, I think it's useful and and it, it, it put it to you this way. It hasn't been wrong. Um, even if when I don't like what it tells me, it hasn't been wrong. There is a website. It is called rt.live. And you can see the rates of transmission of the virus. And I'm, I've got the website pulled up and I'm looking at it. And in the rate of transmission, you can see that Georgia is at uh, 0.97. And that's actually really good news. Uh, During the shelter in place, we got down to 0.79. We increased again in June to 1.14, and now we're back down to 0.97. It's trending slightly up, uh, mostly flat line. And you can definitely tell that we're we're getting over the hump right now um, with the virus. And that in and of itself is good news. We are definitely changing the corner. If I pull up the um, the data from the Georgia Department of Public Health, you can see that the, the date of cases is kind of plateaued, fairly steady. If you actually look at the date of onset, though, you see a very clear uh, decline. There was a peak and a sharp drop-off, and that's actually really good news as well uh, with the seven-day rolling average is in a downward trajectory. In fact, even the New York Times right now uh, is showing that the state of Georgia is stable. Uh, if you go to the New York Times mapping uh, on their front page, it shows you that uh, the United States appears to have plateaued, and it breaks out the number of cases where it it is on the rise, and it breaks out the number of cases 
where it is pl- uh, flatlined and Georgia is flatlined. And you know, even better news is look at the states where it's going down. Some of the big ones people heard about Arizona, South Carolina, Texas, Utah, Kansas, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, cases are starting to go down, which is great. And then uh, look at where cases stay the same. Number one, Florida, Louisiana, Alabama, Nevada, Georgia. Uh, cases have largely flatlined now, and uh, they're holding steady. This is all really good news. If you go to the rate of transmission website, rt.live, and you look, let me give you the list of states where the rate of transmission now is below one. Now, this is very important because when the rate of transmission is below one, you begin to see a decline in the virus. uh, And the lower than one that you get, the more rapidly the virus gets eradicated. And so from lowest to highest... Vermont, Texas, Arizona, Maine, Ohio, South Carolina, Oregon, Nevada, North Carolina, uh, Michigan, Utah, New Jersey, Georgia, Wisconsin, Delaware, Louisiana, California, New York, Florida, and Washington. Now, the state where it's the most out of control right now is Montana, followed by Hawaii, Alaska, uh, Alabama, Nebraska, North Dakota, District of Columbia, Rhode Island, um, I'm sorry, Missouri is number one. Montana is after Rhode Island, Mississippi, Illinois, Idaho, Colorado, Kentucky, Virginia, Arkansas, Maryland, Kentucky, uh, Connecticut, Wyoming, and, and on we go. Uh, Georgia is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, actually, let me do it this way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, out of all the states uh, where the virus is receding, Georgia is in 13th place, which ain't bad because uh, the virus is receding. Uh, the rate of transmission is below one. That, again, that is really good news in Georgia. And we're, we're hearing these daily, like, oh, we got 3,000 more people have the virus. Uh, another 10 people have died. Well, yes, okay. Um, the daily counts are fine, but we really need to pay attention to the rate of transmission at this point. And the reason you pay attention to the rate of transmission is because the rate of transmission tells you the trajectory of where you're headed. If you're, again, if your rate of transmission is one or higher, the virus begins to spread. If the rate of transmission is 0.99 or lower, the virus begins to recede. The lower you get, the better off you are. The lowest rate of transmission in the nation right now is Vermont. It's at 0.9. It had been as low as 0.69. And then when shelter in place ended, it it bumped up again, and uh, then it went down. Now, here's the thing that, uh, let me put this in a better perspective for you for Georgia. Where was the Georgia rate of transmission at the end of February? 2.84. 2.84 and it was already declining by March 30th when shelter in place was put put in place and then it dipped as low as 0.79 and then after shelter in place ended it got as high as 1.14 and now it's gone back down to 0.97 uh, the virus is receding in the state of Georgia the virus is receding in a number of states then the uh, most states, it's still going up. And if people change their behavior again, the virus could increase again in Georgia. 
uh, and and whether or not schools reopening will impact that is 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 something that we're going to have to figure out. But ultimately, I, I think it is it's worth noting, it's worth pointing out, it's worth showing that we're in a good place in Georgia right now. We're in a very good place, and we're trending in the right direction. And a lot of this has to do with people changing their behavior. And a lot of this has to do with the, the, the natural cycle of this virus that we're learning about. And we still need to be careful. There are areas of the world that were shut down, like Hong Kong and France and Germany, where they're starting to see a viral resurgence. We got to be careful, folks. But we are headed in the right direction in this state. And so don't panic. Don't panic. Don't cast blame. We're headed in the right direction. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I want to have a moment of realism with everybody. We, we need a moment of realism because I, I the stakes are high, and I want to put this in perspective for you. The presidency is on the ballot in November. But it's not just the presidency that's on the ballot in November. There are 35 United States Senate seats that are on the ballot in November. There are 435 seats in the House of Representatives on the ballot in November. There are 86 of 99 state legislatures on the ballot in November. There are 11 governor's uh, mansions that are at stake. There are numerous state judicial and other state executive and and local and county races that are on the ballot in November. Uh, This is a a presidential election cycles are big. Some states have off-year elections. Some of them use odd-year cycles, but those are very small. Uh, A lot of them are in sync with the presidential election, and typically the party that wins the presidency does better down ballot. And our president yesterday decided to start trolling people online about delaying the election. Uh, why? You know, he, he is becoming the troller in chief. And whether you like the president or not, I, I think you got a question. Why is the president in the midst of a global pandemic and economic meltdown uh, trolling his critics online uh, by saying he can delay the election or we should delay the election? By the way, uh, it, it's a sign of his increasing weakness within the party that uh, Republicans in Congress overwhelmingly came out yesterday and said absolutely not. Uh, normally, they don't even comment on his tweets. And now they're all rushing out saying, nope, we're not going to do this. That's an interesting sign. They're also being very vocal about spending all of a sudden. They're, they're starting to care about debt and deficit again, uh, which suggests they're starting to, to break with the president as their survival instincts keep, kick in, and that increasingly suggests they think that he's not going to win in November. Whether he does or he doesn't is irrelevant to what they think. Perception matters right now, and right now, the fact that they're becoming so vocal and distancing themselves from him on a variety of these issues suggests they think there is trouble. And it's not just them. The president's own team thinks there's trouble. They've taken down his advertising. Across the nation, they've taken down all the president's TV ads. They want to reassess. Uh, Right now, Republicans control 59% of state legislatures. 
In 43% of the states, the Republicans control the state legislature and the executive, meaning if they want to write, rewrite districts right now, uh, they could do so without suffering a veto. Democrats uh, only control 31% of state legislatures and, and governor's mansions together. They control 38% of state legislatures but uh, don't have the governor's mansion. Uh, they, Whoever wins in November and wins the majority of states will rewrite the legislative lines for state houses, state senates, and Congress. There is a lot on the line. If the Democrats have a great showing in November, they could ensure that the Republicans cannot take back the House of Representatives for the next decade. You need to ponder that. You need to consider that reality because the stakes are high and the president is trolling people about the election. You know, the the data continues to show and has shown consistently that the American public would rather this president handle the economy than Joe Biden. The data has shown consistently, the polling has shown consistently, and this is across the board, the Democratic polling and the Republican polling shows this. It's not just the media polls you hear about. Behind-the-scenes polling on both sides shows that the president has an advantage on the economy. That's why the Democrats have spent so long talking down the economy, and then the virus happened. If the president can get through the virus, the president can win re-election. But the president has to get through the virus. The president has to, uh, the president's got to find a way to look like a leader. Now, you and I both know that most of the leadership on the virus happens at the local level. It is uh, governors and state boards of health that are mostly in charge of this. But there are things the president can do to look like a leader in helping with resources and the way he talks about it and and the stuff he he says. And you and I both know a lot of the media won't give him credit for a lot of that stuff, but he can still transcend. He can transcend through his Twitter account. He can transcend through his press conferences. He can transcend through his ad campaigns. He can transcend through, through what he puts on social media beyond Twitter. And right now what he's putting up is let's delay the election. And all that does is it riles up his opponents. And for the first time that I can remember in a while has caused Republicans to rush to the nearest microphone and said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Uh, There needs to be message discipline. And increasingly it is obvious that there can't be message discipline because the president who is the messenger for his campaign lacks that discipline. And there are people now speculating, well, maybe he knows he's going to lose, and so he's just trying to cast doubt on all of it. Here's the problem. Uh, States are in charge of their elections, and many states are going to go to mail-in balloting because of the virus. So if the president is out there saying that uh, mail-in balloting is bad and they're going to steal the election, and they're going to do it anyway, including in Republican states. I mean, Florida is a Republican state with a Republican legislature and a Republican governor, and they're going to do it. Will the president's supporters decide, well, the, the the fix is up. I might as well just stay home anyway because there's no way I can win. If so, Florida's not going to be a Republican state next year. The governor will hang on because he won't be on the ballot. But the legislature? What about in Georgia? The Democrats are going to gain ground in the state legislature. The, the odds are they're not going to be able to take over the state legislature, but they're going to come close. And 
if you've got the president out there saying, well, it doesn't matter, the fix is in, the game is rigged, the deck is stacked, uh, mail-in balloting, absentee balloting, it's going to be worked against me, are his supporters going to stay home too? Will enough of them stay home? I mean, there are ways to message this, and I, 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 I'm, I'm baffled by what's happening uh, with the president right now. I, I, I am genuinely perplexed. Does he want to win or not? And the problem right now is, does he want to win or not? And if he doesn't want to win, why is he sabotaging everyone else? Philip points out to me, uh, as I'm sitting here talking, you know, this this is what happened with Stacey Abrams to a degree. Or th- this is what a lot of people think. Abrams came close, but she spent so much time talking about election fraud. She spent so much time talking about the deck was stacked against them. Uh, you can go out there today and find voters who decided that they weren't going to vote because Brian Kemp was going to steal it anyway. And it had everything to do with Stacey Abrams uh, talking so vocally about uh, the election was going to be stolen and there was going to be fraud and 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 there was going to be electoral abuse and there was going to be voter suppression. And there were a lot of voters said, well, why, I mean, if, if the Republicans, why, why even bother wasting my time? It's raining today. This could happen with the GOP. Someone's someone's got to sit in the room with the president at, at all times at this point and and just keep him focused. There are there are three things that matter right now: Donald Trump, the virus, and the economy. You know that the the polling actually shows that law and order doesn't matter right now. That law and order does matter but not while people are focused on the virus. See, it's one thing for you to think an an armed, crazed band of Antifa is going to come into your town and burn down Main Street, but it's a whole other thing to think that a virus is going to get into your house and start killing off every member of your family. Mentally, which is worse to you right now? Which do you think is more likely? Because we're hearing story after story every day of the virus getting into people's households. I mean, Herman Cain is dead of the virus. People are, people are paying attention to the virus. People are concerned about the virus. And, and what they know of the president is the mixed messages of the president and, and the going back and forth on whether or not the virus is real and, and whether or not to, to wear masks or not wear masks or or have people socially distanced or have kids go back to school or not go back to school. Parents are freaked out. Parents are stressed out. Teachers are stressed out and freaked out. Everybody is 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 stressed out. Nobody seems to have a, a compelling message for them and, and know what to do. And the president isn't going out and, and exercising any sort of leadership. He's on Twitter saying, let's delay the election. Statutorily, by the way, he can't do it. Uh, It is a federal law. It would take an act of Congress to change the date of the election, and that's not going to happen. It would require a majority of the House and 60 votes in the Senate to overcome a filibuster. Why waste your time on inconsequential things? And, you know, there are a lot of the president supporters out there say, oh, oh, he's got everybody riled up. He's trolling. He's trolling. That's all he's doing. He's trolling. Look at all these people. They're spinning their wheels. They're focused on this. It's not going to happen. They're... Yes, but you're the president of the United States of America in a global pandemic. You're the president of the United States in an economic meltdown. And you're trolling on Twitter. Look, I I, I don't mean to to spend this much time being this critical of of a president I plan on voting for, 
but somebody's got to get a clue and it's got to be him. This isn't helpful to him, but it's not just helpful to him. This is what I need you to see. It's not helpful to Republicans down ballot. The Republicans could very well lose the Senate. You know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is back in the hospital. The Republicans could lose the White House and lose the Senate. They could lose the House of Representatives by a bigger margin. More Republicans could lose in the House of Representatives. They could lose state legislatures such that they can't redraw lines more favorable to the Republicans, but Democrats can redraw lines more favorable to themselves. What is he? Is there even a strategy? I don't believe that there's a strategy at this point. And that's the frustrating thing because it, it, it's bigger than the president. You've got people out there right now who want to burn down the Republican Party because they don't like that they couldn't get a job with Donald Trump in 2016. And now they've decided they hate him. A bunch of grifters have started the, these outside uh, anti-Trump, supposedly Republican groups, and their solution for the Republican Party is to burn it all down. And they're pouring money in, claiming to be Republicans, and they're not, to destroy Republican candidates, and that's not good. In Kansas, there's a big fight over Chris Kobach, uh, Chris Kobach and uh, whether or not he should be the nominee. And I've always been a Chris Kobach fan. The problem is that he ran, he was the Republican nominee for the governor's mansion two years ago. And he lost. A Democrat is a governor in Kansas. And if the Democrats look like they're set to take over the Senate, there are a lot of Kansas Republicans who aren't conservative. They're moderate Kansas Republicans, and they're perfectly content voting for Democrats. And if it looks like the Democrats are going to take over the Senate, they may just hand Kansas to the Democrats, too, if Kobach is the nominee. And the Republicans have a chance to not have Kansas go to, to Kobach, but it looks like the, the Republicans in Kansas are suicidal at this point. I, I This is this is the thing that, that perplexes me. I've got a, a lot of my conservative friends saying, no, 2018 was an anomaly and that Kobach will be fine for the Senate. The voters who rejected him for the governor's mansion, they'll be fine to get him out of Kansas and go to Washington. Except I paid attention to Kansas politics for a number of years. I've got a number of friends from Kansas, and they all tell me that uh, Kansas populist Republicans actually tend to lean left socially. I mean, Kansas Republicans tend to be more pro abortion than not. Kansas Republicans tend to be very squishy on a whole lot of things, and and they're, they're perfectly happy to vote for what they perceive as a moderate Democrat over a super conservative Republican. Candidates do matter in these places, and I would hate to see Kansas, of all places, get a Democratic senator because the Republican Party primary process is so skewed towards people like me, and I look, I'm a conservative, and I don't know that I could win in Kansas. And right now, I think it's better that we preserve the Senate majority of Republicans than have the most dogmatic conservative we can get. Because Comac already had an opportunity to run statewide, and he did, and he lost to a Democrat. He put a Democrat in the governor's mansion, and now he wants to run for the Senate. I, I'm not sure it's wise to take that risk. Now, my, my buddy Jim DeMint, who I, I, I dearly love the man, he is he's all in. So is Ted Cruz. And maybe they see something I don't want. What I've always seen is that Kansas Republicans tend to have a very screw you attitude with conservatives. I mean, I've, I've got friends of mine who have been in the Kansas legislature who tell me that, I mean, Kansas is, is Republican leaders are super squishy. And they, they work better with the Democrats than they do conservatives. They work better with pro-abortionists than they do pro-lifers. And these are the sorts of Republicans that exist in Kansas. And that makes me nervous. 
In Montana, it looks like the Democrats could pick up that Senate seat. In Maine, it looks like Susan Collins could lose. In North Carolina, it looks like the Democrats could put that up, uh, could win that. They're going to win in Colorado against Cory Gardner, it looks like. Uh, They could pick up the Senate. Candidates matter, campaigns matter, and ultimately the president's message discipline matters. And right now, I don't see that 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 message discipline. Someone please get through to him. And I realize some of you are going to call. Well, you should. I've been saying it. I've been writing it. I've been saying it behind the scenes. And it, it makes me wonder if people are going into the president and telling him the best case scenario and not telling him the reality of the situation. The president, if he knows the reality of the situation, I think will change. But goodness gracious, um, man, something's got to happen. Because we are less than 100 days away, and right now nothing is changing and something needs to change. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Can we discuss a a moment of, of stupidity on which we should all be able to agree? This is actually kind of, this one, this one frustrates me greatly. Um, so... For in February and March, you had the Surgeon General, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and the like. They all came out and said, don't, don't wear masks. Only people who are sick need masks, and first responders need masks. And if all the healthy people go out and buy masks right now, uh, we're going to be in short supply. Well, then they found out that a lot of the people we think are healthy are actually asymptomatic, or they haven't gotten symptoms yet, but they're contagious. And so they revise their thinking and say, we should presume that everybody has the virus because uh, wearing a mask, if you're perfectly healthy and someone who's sick doesn't wear a mask, you still have a good chance of getting the virus. But if if um, if a sick person puts on a mask, they help reduce the spread because as the water vapor leaves their mouth, uh, it gets trapped in the mask or redirects the airflow up and down. Gravity takes over and pulls the virus down and, and keeps it out of the airstream. And so let's presume that everybody is sick now because we know asymptomatic people are out there and they don't even know they're sick, but yet they're spreading the virus. And we know that people who haven't gotten symptoms yet but will eventually get symptoms, the pre-symptomatic people, are actually the most contagious. So get everybody to wear a mask. That'll cut it down. And there's a lot of it's my rights, it's my liberty, and on and on and on it goes. But now, in just the last 48 hours, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks want to talk about face shields. So we can't even get people sold on the efficacy of masks, and you've already moved on to face shields? Really? This is just uh, the, the height of absurdity. Now, I realize that these are our scientists and and they have tunnel vision and they are solely focused on that. But you're not going to get me, an advocate of a mask, to wear a face shield when I go out in public. You're not going to get anybody to wear a face shield. And and now we've got these doctors, oh, we we don't need people to wear masks. We need people to wear face shields because they they could get it in their eye. And if the virus gets in their eye, they could get infected. And and you're going to have people in, in goggles? You know, when I was a kid, uh, I had to chop up onions one time for my mom, and and my dad came in, and he still brings this up. I I am 45 years old, and my father still laughs at me for when I was a kid wearing goggles, chopping an onion. I was a smart child keeping the onion acid from getting in my eyes. I did look ridiculous. Nowadays, you're going to have people, we got to get our scuba gear on to go to the grocery store. I got my my external oxygen tank. I got my goggles on. I got my flippers on. I'm I'm going to go to the grocery shopping, dear. 
That sounds like what they want. You're not going to get people to take any of this stuff seriously if you do that. And yet here we are. I I mean, can can someone talk to these guys and say, you know what? Hey, let's just let's stick to the mask talking point. Let's not even bring up face shields. I mean, you you got me laughing about it. Um, And and man, wow. They got to do better on this. You know, it is one of those things where, where people get so fixated on. So for example, um, I, I know someone who was super hyper fixated on healthy eating. I mean, super healthy eating. You eat all your all your veggies and all your fruit and you give up meat and, and you're going to have a high fiber diet. You're going to run five miles a day and, and you're going to be hyper healthy and you're never going to get sick and they got cancer and basically said, you know what? Why not enjoy life? And, and, and they, they've, they've beaten their cancer, but it's just, it, it's their whole, uh, whole life was so television. I'm going to do this and it's going to keep me safve. And then they got sick anyway. And they're like, well, well, to heck with this. And the, 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 you get so tunnel vision focused on on the thing that matters to you, you it turns into an idol almost and and that's the thing we we've gone from wear masks to wear face shields you haven't gotten people convinced yet that they even need to wear masks and you've already moved on to let's wear masks and let's wear face shields you're going to undermine the mask message i i don't i don't i realize you're you're academic and you're a nerd and and it just Stuff like that boggles my mind as to if we're going to keep people on message, can we keep everybody on message, please? Keep everybody focused, everybody on message. No one has the message discipline to do that these days. Everybody's stepping on each other. It's it's people got to do better. When we come back, uh, the President Obama spoke at John Lewis's funeral. If a Republican said what he said, oh boy, there would be trouble. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the state of Georgia. Well, are you people in Athens ready for football? <laughs> we got stories there. The phone number here, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. If you want to be a part of the program, it's Friday, so you can call in and ask me anything for the most part. Um, I, there are a couple of things I want to get out of the way first. I continue today to be raising money, uh, both here on this show and on my evening show for Children's Health Care of Atlanta. Uh, don't let the name fool you. Don't think this is a, a Metro Atlanta thing. Uh, there are 159 counties in Georgia, and right now Children's Healthcare of Atlanta uh, through the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center uh, has patients from all 159 counties. Uh, it is the uh, regional powerhouse, and I, I want to give you some reasons for why you should support uh, the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. They newly diagnose more than one child every day with cancer. Uh, Cancer is the leading cause of childhood death by disease. One out of five children do not survive cancer. Only 4% of federal funding goes to childhood cancer research, means your donor support is vital to continuing research against it. The Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center is ranked number one in the country for therapeutic and non-therapeutic children's oncology group clinical trial enrollments. They've got access to over 400 clinical trials. It's significant because a clinical trial is the very best shot for a cure. The Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center ranks number seven in the nation for pediatric cancer care. They're one of the largest pediatric cancer and blood disorder programs in the country. They care for over 8,500 pediatric patients every year from 43 states across the United States and from every county in Georgia. Nearly 16,000 children are diagnosed with cancer every year in the U.S. And the Affleck 
Cancer and Blood Disorder Center has the largest pediatric hematology program in the country. It includes the largest pediatric sickle cell disease program. They treat 2,000 sickle cell disease patients every year. The Aflac Cancer Blood Disorder Center has the largest brain tumor program in the country, caring for more than 750 children and young adults with brain tumors every year. They're one of the largest pediatric leukemia lymphoma programs in the country. They care for more than 800 children per year. My uh, evening radio program on WSB Radio in Atlanta, we do a carathon every year for the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Ch- uh, Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. They treat kids from 43 states, from all 159 counties in Georgia, and they do it because of generous donations from people. They are overshadowed, if you will, by a program like St. Jude that has an international fundraising base and and, uh, major celebrity supporters and and funders and and, uh, on the board. And and CHOA and and Affleck Cancer Blood Disorder Center doesn't really have that. Uh, And y'all, you've got to step up and help these kids. I've been there. I've seen what your donations do. The federal government only pays for about 4% of cancer research for children. Every other penny comes from donations. If you go to the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center in Atlanta, what you will see is that uh, they've got rooms set up, hotel-style rooms, where they've actually got closets uh, with shelving uh, that the, the hospital staff can access without ever having to go in the room to put food in so the people inside the room can get food without being bothered, to, to get the dirty stuff out, to get uh, laundry out and do laundry for the family, uh, to, to put the clean clothes back in, to take care of the family that's there with a the child. Listen, if you've got a child and your child has cancer, you don't want to be, uh, you, you, you want to be focused on your child. You don't want to worry about your laundry. You don't want to worry about all this other stuff that's out there. Uh, and they try to make it as as easy as possible for you to take care of your child and for your child. They have an art program. They have clowns that come through. They provide meals at holidays. They provide presents. They, they do all sorts of stuff for the kids. I interviewed one little girl who's got sickle cell anemia, and whenever she has a problem, she has to go to the emergency room and inevitably winds up at, at uh, the Affleck Cancer and Blood Disorder Center, and she thinks it's like a vacation. She says they bring her cucumber slices. She puts them on her eyes. Uh, she does her art cart programs. She plays with the clowns. All of that stuff is made possible by you. It is a wonderful program, and it is worthy of nationwide support. I, I, I don't hesitate uh, spending time on this program Uh, statewide and nationwide to encourage people to support a program that supports kids in 43 states right now. They have one of the largest uh, blood disorder programs in the country, one of the largest leukemia programs in the country, the largest brain tumor project uh, program in the country. And that is all because of generous donations. And I want to make it easier for those of you who can get to Atlanta. Uh, Dates have not been set, but if you call uh, 888 750-2772 and tell them you want the bourbon and butts package Uh, for $500 you and a friend can come drink my bourbon and eat my barbecue I've got a massive bourbon collection Uh, you call 888-750-2772 and say you want access to Erickson's bourbon and butts Uh, you you give them your credit card pay $500 all that money goes to the Affleck Children Cancer Center and then I buy the barbecue and bring my bourbon collection to Atlanta 
if you want something that that's cozier and, and not a bigger crowd, uh, I'm going to make a giant pot of andouille and chicken gumbo. And I will feed four couples for $250 a couple. And what you do is you call 888-750-2772 and say you want in on my pot of gumbo. And if you don't want to donate $250 and you don't want to donate $500, donate 10. Donate five. Donate what you can. This is hard times economically for a lot of people. It's hard times economically for children's cancer centers that are driven and and run based on donations. And all I can do is ask you to step up if you can. Do what you can and make a difference. Every dollar you donate actually helps. Every single dollar helps. So don't feel ashamed if you can only give a dollar. Don't feel ashamed if you can only give five. Don't feel ashamed if you can only give 10 because your dollar makes a difference. Your dollar could be the difference between a child living and dying. You know, we live in an we live in an age right now where a lot of conservatives say, you know what, let's just let the government take care of it. That that the government's taking care of everything else. What the heck? Let's let's fight the culture war and let the government deal with the spending. But I just think that we have an obligation ourselves to step up where we can. And we know that only four percent of childhood cancer research funding comes from the federal government. Every other penny, that ninety six percent, that's from private institutions and private giving from your giving. So don't think that your dollar won't go for something. Every dollar raised is a dollar spent for a worthy cause. Uh, and what you need to do if you want to step up, if you can, is 888-750-2772, 888-750-2772. I personally want to thank you for, for considering it. I am glad to take time out of this program uh, to make a case for you to give because every single county in Georgia right now has a child who is in treatment at the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center, and 43 states have children who are there getting treatment right now. It is a national program, and it deserves support. Now, we got to move on to other stuff. I want to begin with the greatest news that we can have headed into our weekend. It is the biggest story of the day, or at least it should be. We'll get to Obama at John Lewis's funeral, but I just, this one makes me happy. Georgia and the SEC intend to play football. This is from Athens. This is uh, a report uh, from McClatchy. The COVID-19 pandemic has reached the SEC football schedule. The SEC conference announced on Thursday it will be playing a 10-game conference-only slate on the football field this fall. The schedule will begin on September 26th with the SEC championship game slated for December 19th. The move comes after the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC made similar decisions. After careful consideration of the public health indicators in our region and following advice of our medical advisors, we have determined this is the best course of action to prepare for a safe and healthy return to competition for SEC student-athletes, coaches, and others associated with our sports program. Georgia games with Virginia, East Tennessee State, Louisiana uh, State, Monroe are wiped off the schedule. The ACC schedule will allow for one non-conference game within the school's home state. But as of now, the SEC is keeping all games within the conference. But this is good. We're going to have college football. It'll begin September 26th. It will end December 19th, but we will have college football. 
We're not going to have it the way we've had it in the past, but uh, there's going to be one open date in the middle of the season for all the teams, along with an off week, uh, December 12th, for all the teams. By moving the start of the season back a month, schools are going to have time for students to get back on campus before starting camp in the season. Classes at the University of Georgia, for example, start August 20th. Students will return to Athens as soon as next week. They'll be able to see what happens. The new Georgia football schedule is expected to include uh, eight SEC opponents, home games versus Vanderbilt, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee, road games against Alabama, Missouri, South Carolina, and Kentucky. Sports Illustrator Ross Dellinger says a separate scheduling model composed by league officials using strength of schedule will determine the two additional opponents for 2020. The announcement from the SEC does not include any particulars on whether or not fans will be allowed in the stadium. They're going to take a wait-and-see approach. Now, here's some of what the SEC has announced as well. Each athletic program has been engaged in evaluating best practices for game operations to provide a safe environment. Further decisions regarding safety standards related to athletic events, tailgating, and other activities, including social distancing, face covering, and health measures, uh, will be announced later. The league said it will watch and learn uh, as things go on, and the later time gives the SEC a chance to continue monitoring uh, an 11-state footprint for games. And I have read now that the University of Georgia is going to mandate masks. And uh, the, 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 the masks will be required, masks will be mandatory, and you're going to... Um, have to do that if you want to go to a game but at least at least at least you will have the chance to go to a game this is good news now there is sad news there is sad news good old-fashioned hate will continue but not on the football field of georgia versus georgia tech there will be no georgia georgia tech game this year if there is a georgia georgia tech game this year it will be played um, well, it'll have to be played by the players without anybody's permission because they're not doing it. So, uh, there won't be that, uh, but, uh, it does appear though, that the Georgia, Florida game will continue in Jacksonville. At least right now, they're saying the Georgia, Florida game will happen in Jacksonville this year. We will see if that actually does, uh, but there's progress being made on all those fronts and that's good. The world continues slowly, but surely to take semblance of being normal once again, as college football comes back. Now, I need to tell you, I am being told uh, that the gumbo dinner, some of you have just called in and sold out. So no more gumbo opportunities for you. Sorry. Uh, but if you want to come eat, drink my bourbon and eat my barbecue, uh, you can still call 888-750-2772. And you can say you want the bourbon and butts uh, tickets uh, to come. It's $500. I got a, I've got a several hundred bottle bourbon collection. And, you know, so the very first time I ever did this, I, I took the collection to Atlanta, the entire thing. I had to take two carts on wheels to be able to get it, had to have people help me load it and get it out, and then was informed that it was illegal to have that much alcohol in a, in a car without a license to, to carry that much alcohol. Um, so now I've got to take curated bottles, but, man, I, I've got a great collection. Um, I can't bring cigars because there's no smoking in the office. Otherwise, I would. Uh, the Fuentes folks sent me a, a nice box of cigars recently, a, a hard-to-find box, uh, and they're good They're good cigars. Um uh, and so, but I can't, I can't bring those with me, but I can bring the bourbon. And then, uh, last year we got barbecue. I've got a listener listens to this program, uh, from Canton, Georgia. It's 441 South barbecue and it is fantastic barbecue. 
and they came down. They provided the barbecue. They did brisket. They did pork, pulled pork. They did mac and cheese and baked beans, and it was fantastic. I mean, it was delicious barbecue, and we're going to do that all over again. If you want to participate, though, if you want to just give $5 to help fight childhood cancer, call 888-750-2772. If you want to come drink my bourbon, eat my barbecue, you got to step up for $500 and tell them that's what you want. But every dollar counts, folks. Please help if you can. I got to I got to read you guys something. This is this is absurd. Um the Washington Post has had the audacity to capitalize the word white in its style sheet. You know the Associated Press announced that it was going to start capitalizing black, uh, but it would not capitalize white when it came to, to race. Let me read you some of this for, from, I don't even know who this person is. The Washington Post decision to capitalize white in its style sheet seems to me to be the natural progression of a really bad idea. But before we get there, let's be let's clear away some of the underbrush. First, all of these issues are symbolic and of less import to actually changing things than scribblers like me uh, may like to think. Rather, they are reflective of realities taking place right now. Scorning the post for their decision as if their decision was actually change reality gets the cart-horse relationship backwards. Also, I've heard compelling cases for why one should capitalize black. It stems from the fact that the experience of African Americans is indeed unique within the American context. We capitalize Jews and we capitalize Muslims, so we should capitalize blacks, especially if the word is being used to describe the descendants of African slaves brought to America against their will. But would we capitalize black if it referred to a recent Nigerian immigrant? Capitalize white, though. Clearly, a good faith attempt to make the controversy go away seems misguided. And like I said above, it's the unfortunate product of where we are as a nation. Progressivism, progressives who seem to be broadly uneasy with creating in-groups and out-groups are paradoxically solving this by balkanizing the American experience. That is a fair point. Uh, You know, the Associated Press has decided that they're not going to capitalize white when it comes to race. Uh, Black, they will capitalize. White, they will not capitalize. And if it's all about equality, uh, should they not treat black and white the same? I can understand if they're going to use the phrase African-American, capitalize it. But if they're going to, to use colors, black and white, Either capitalize them both or don't capitalize them both. It is uh, interesting to me to see that uh, we've got a situation where they are picking and choosing essentially racial winners and losers at the Associated Press. And you know who the winner, the winner's the one that gets the capital letter. And that's not equality. Uh, Treat them both the same. This is is, uh, progressivism run amok. And, you know, the, the thing that's happening right now is is it's a lie to say they want equality. You, you notice they've, they've changed the phrasing now that they, they've gotten to where everybody agrees. Everyone agrees in equality. Now they, they've pushed it to equity. We need equity. We need a, we need a, a stake in it. We, we need stock. We need ownership. You know, the reality on the racial issues in this country is that it's going to take time. Time heals all wounds. It's going to take time. Now, that's not a popular sentiment uh, because there's a rush. There's a rush to do it. The problem, though, is that in a rush to do it, they're going to cause cultural backlash. 
And you've got more and more people who are very brave, and, and it's not really bravery, so, so don't misunderstand me here, but they claim bravery for stepping up to oppose or to support reparations. There are a lot of people out there who have decided it is a very brave thing to support reparations, and it's not really because the cultural forces of today kind of agree with it. It's like being very brave and coming out in support of gay marriage. I mean, the cultural forces are are totally there. It's actually real brave to come out and say, you know what? No, uh, the Bible says marriage is between a man and a woman, so marriage has to be between a man and a woman. What you have isn't really marriage. (gasps) You can't say that. Well, it's really brave to stand up and defy the cultural wind. Somehow it's really, it's brave to come out and say you don't like Donald Trump. They're so brave. It's real brave to come out and say uh, you support, um, uh, you, you, you support, reparations for slavery because you know it's never going to happen i mean that that, that's the reality here is is that we're not ever going to pass financial compensation as a country for slavery it's it's not going to happen even if the democrats got rid of the filibuster bar there aren't enough democratic votes in the senate to support reparations for slavery so I would, you know, it's 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 fascinating to see uh, the people coming forward and being brave and stuff like this. But here's the problem. Being brave and coming out and saying, I support it too, knowing it's never going to happen, stirs up dissent and anger among the people who say, well, we got all these people who support it. Why aren't we getting it? Why aren't we getting it? Well, because you're never going to get it because no one actually really supports it. It, it. It's like the polling that always showed that gay marriage would always win and it always lost to the polls because people weren't telling pollsters that they didn't really support it. Or the people who were coming out and being most vocal were, were, were the ones who did. And, and so, oh, all these people are coming out. Everyone must support it. No, they don't. So it's really brave for the Associated Press to capitalize black and not white when really the cultural forces are aligned to do it. There's nothing bravery about it. It's stupid. I do have a website you can go to, theresurgent.com, where you can get all sorts of news and analysis. And you can listen to me here five days a week from 9 to noon or there you got a couple stations that run it in delay. Um, you can also call in and chat. And today is Friday, so you get way more flexibility in what you would like to call in and ask me about. You can call in 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You are allowed. We permit it. Uh, and now we got other news we need to talk about. Uh, where are my notes of what I want to talk about? I, I try to write notes so that I can I can be specific in what I wanted. I know what I wanted to talk about. Okay, I, I must, I, I must, I, I must apologize in advance, but this must be done and you must listen to it, even if you don't want to. You better stick around and listen to this because I got to listen to it too. Take one for the team here. You want us to stop there, just trying to get back to where we already were. Once we pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, we should keep marching to make it even better by making sure every American is automatically registered to vote, including former inmates who've earned their second chance. By adding polling places and expanding early voting and making Election Day, a national holiday, so if you are somebody who's working in a factory or you're a 
single mom who's got to go to her job and doesn't get time off, you can still cast your ballot by guaranteeing that every American citizen has equal representation in our government, including the American citizens who live in Washington, D.C. and in Puerto Rico. They're Americans. By ending some of the partisan gerrymandering so that all voters have the power to choose their politicians, not the other way around. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. Uh, so I, I, I need to get this straight. The, the filibuster, which has been around for, gosh, roughly 200 years, is a product of Jim Crow. It existed before Jim Crow, and yet it's a product of Jim Crow. That, that's, that's the filibuster. That, that's, that's where we are these days with Barack Obama. Uh, I, I got I to point a couple of things out. There are, I assume you know what priapism is. It's like the Cialis commercial. If it lasts more than four hours, you got to go to the emergency room and, and see if they can deflate it. And there were a lot of reporters in Washington, D.C. yesterday that got priapism uh, hearing Barack Obama speak. Um, and and it, it, some of them had calluses by the end of the day. And had a Republican gone to a funeral, let, let's say this, if, if, if there's a funeral for Herman Cain, one, they're not going to televise it live, uh, and they'll say, well, it's different, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not John Lewis. But if, if a Republican, if Donald Trump goes to Herman Cain's funeral and lashed out at, at the Democrats and accused them of bigotry, and put forward a, an initiative of of reforms calling for the end of the filibuster and the like, what do you think the reaction from the media would be? What do you think the reaction would be from the press if that happened? I assure you they would lose their mind. I, I assure you that if if George Bush or Donald Trump went to a funeral for a Republican and started going on and on about a political agenda, not only would there be national outrage by the press corps about it, but they would be calling for the church wherein that funeral took place to lose its tax-exempt status. But Barack Obama gets to do that, and the media says, oh, isn't he so wonderful? Barack Obama is just the best. Oh, I've got to go to the bathroom now. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, it's yet again, another media double standard. It, it reminds you of the partisanship. And it also reminds you that Barack Obama directly led to Donald Trump. This is a point I think the, the media and the Democrats despise, and I think it is completely accurate. Barack Obama led to Donald Trump. We would not have Donald Trump as president but for Barack Obama. 
because it was Barack Obama who began the breakdown of decency in this country that the media laments with Donald Trump. It was Barack Obama who immediately after a school shooting began politicizing it and taking on the NRA. It was Barack Obama who in speeches told his supporters to take guns to knife fights. It was Barack Obama who told Hispanic voters Republicans were their enemies. It was Barack Obama who created an office within his White House where you could turn in your neighbor for lying about Obamacare. It was Barack Obama whose campaign sent notes to people and set up a website so they could see whether their neighbor was a Republican or a Democrat, whether they had voted or not, so they could go badger their neighbors into voting. It was Barack Obama who developed an app that would pull your data off your cell phone and connect you with people in your community uh, so that that you could go badger them to get them to vote for Barack Obama. It was Barack Obama who would regularly go places and, and turn things into uh, politicization. But, oh, his rhetoric was soaring. You got all the circle of jerks in the press who goes blind in the bathroom every time Barack Obama opens his mouth who won't accept that all Donald Trump is doing is amplifying the precedence of Barack Obama. He's not the soaring rhetorical politician that Barack Obama was, but he's taking the precedence of Barack Obama and expanding them. And the media gives the Democrats and Obama a complete pass on all of this. Whether you are on the left, the right, or the center, there is a double standard, and you can love Barack Obama or hate him, but you need to recognize that the media has routinely given him a pass to go to funerals or to events and politicize things and make cases. And what's so ironic here is that he's saying that the filibuster needs to be gotten rid of because it's a product of the Jim Crow era. No one's going to challenge him on that because he's St. Barack. And the fact is the Democrats just used the filibuster to kill police reform that the Democrats said they wanted. So the Democrats used a Jim Crow era uh, strategy of the Senate to kill police reforms that would help the black community because they didn't want Republicans to get credit for it. The Democrats have used this Jim Crow era filibuster this week to kill uh, unemployment benefits extensions for poor people. The media is not going to point any of that out. They're not going to juxtapose Obama with that. It's because the media is in on the in on in the program to end the Trump administration. It's not going to cover this issue fairly. It's not going to cover any of these issues fairly. There is a double standard. Had a Republican gone to a funeral and said the things Barack Obama said up there on stage at John Lewis's funeral, there would be global media outrage and the Democrats would be beside themselves that you politicized a funeral. But they will give Barack Obama a complete pass on all of it because he is St. Barack, not Trump. And by the way, I don't care whether you like the president or not. Trump, I'm talking about. I don't care whether you like him or not. If you're offended by what I said, that says way more about you than me because objectively there is a double standard and objectively that double standard led to Republicans picking a guy like Donald Trump who who saw time and again Republican politicians betraying their base, not standing up and fighting Barack Obama and saw the Democrats giving a complete pass to stunts like this by Barack Obama, holding him to a different standard they would ever hold Republicans to. Remember, Antifa protesters burning down a courthouse in Portland are mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful Tea Party protesters were violent goons in 2009. There is a complete media double standard on this stuff, and it is those double standards that lead people to say, you know what, screw this, let's just go with this guy. And if you're not willing to see it, you're going to get more of that.
If you're not willing to acknowledge it, you're going to get more of that. If you're not willing to be candid and honest about it, you're going to get more of that, and you'll get what you deserve. I mean, I, 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 I'm I, not saying anything that should be controversial here, but it is to the left and the media. See, you know, one, one of the things that we, we see right now is the media in the United States of America right now refuses to hold itself accountable or have any level of introspection in what it's doing. A media that attacked people for wanting to buy masks in February and March pilloried people for not wearing masks since then. A media that told you that this was the Wuhan virus in January attacked the president for saying it was the Wuhan virus because he was racist. A media that told you that this was no big deal, relaxed, the flu's a bigger deal in January and February is pillaring the president for playing down the virus. And you can say, but, 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 but they, 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 they changed. And the president didn't. But there was no acknowledgement of that change. There there was no acknowledgement that they had gotten it wrong. The media that attacked Donald Trump for not doing enough put Andrew Cuomo on TV every night and and humped his leg uh, talking about how awesome he was on a daily basis when senior citizens were dying in nursing homes in New York City. A media that routinely attacks the governors of Texas and Georgia and Florida for deaths in their state uh, continues to ignore that there are still more people dying on a daily basis in New York. A media that has said Ron DeSantis got everything wrong and Andrew Cuomo got everything right has continued to ignore the fact that uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida protected senior citizens in nursing homes while Andrew Cuomo was sending senior citizens to their death. And a media that bashes Donald Trump and everything he says continues to give Barack Obama a pass for going full politics at a funeral of a dead man who happened to be a member of Congress and a civil rights hero, and he can say whatever he wants. And if a Republican did the same thing at a Republican funeral, God forbid that happens, there would be national and global media outrage. This is why so many people don't take the media seriously anymore. They refuse to be introspective. You've got entire shows on CNN, for example, that analyze the news, and all they do is they obsess about Fox News. Yet Brian Stetler had a guy on television who said that Donald Trump had killed more people than Adolf Hitler. They even put that out on social media from Brian Stetler's own TV show's account to let everyone see what that guy said. And then all after, oh, we didn't actually see it. My earpiece had died, and I didn't know he said it. I'm so sorry. Well, then why did your team think it was something worth highlighting? lighting and no one in the media points that out no one in the media no one at cnn wants to hold that guy accountable but fox but fox if you're not going to hold your own self accountable and exercise some level of introspection and some level of self-control and self-review and self-reflection why should anyone take you seriously you demand everyone else do that and you don't want to do it yourselves the the media has become so arrogant in this country look at what they did to herman cain herman cain dies and then they all rush out. oh he didn't wear a mask at that rally that's how he got it no he didn't i know for certain he didn't get it there and when, when, you, when you reach out to members of the media and tell them, well, you have to tell me exactly who and how and let me report, no. But they don't care. Reuters reporters run stories that Herman Cain, presidential candidate who didn't wear a mask, dies of COVID-19. That was, that was how they reported his obituary. Until the media learns its lesson, and offer some self-control and self-reflection on how it's contributed to making matters worse in this country, 
things are only going to get worse because fewer and fewer people actually take the media seriously these days. Fewer and fewer people actually listen to the media. More and more people recognize that the media has an agenda and it may not necessarily be your agenda and it may not necessarily be the truth. It's more about shaping a narrative that goes the way of the Democrats as opposed to telling people factually what happened. They will conveniently leave out the facts that put the the situation in a different light. Until the media is willing to step up and, and exercise some maturity, you can't expect anyone else to take it seriously. And I don't think that's going to happen until people begin retaliating by putting these people out of work, by canceling their subscriptions, by turning the channel, by driving down the ratings. There are clear biases at work in all of this stuff. And all the media does is they complain when you point it out. You've got to point this stuff out. We've all got to point this stuff out. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Let's go to the phones. Jeff and Decatur, you're going to be up first. Welcome. Hey, Eric, good morning. So I have a comment about Dr. Fauci recommending the face shield. Are you ready? All right. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. Okay, so I'm a little bit suspicious of Fauci anyway, and I think that uh, wear the mask, don't wear the mask, I think he's calling for these face shields, perhaps because if he is part of anybody backing a second wave of Antifa riots, you won't be able to identify them as well if they're wearing goggles and or shields in addition to face masks. Maybe I'm skeptical. Uh, so wait, 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 wait. So you you want? Is, I, I'm I'm trying to follow your logic here, Jeff. That 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 Fauci wants people to wear face masks so they can be part of Antifa riots. Not necessarily face masks, but in addition, the face shields now and the goggles to protect your eyes, supposedly. But if if since his side of the ledger is not condemning the Antifa riots at all, then I think that gives tacit approval for them. In other words. If he's part of a bigger scheme to promote Antifa riots, why not go ahead and lend credibility to their effort in a stealth mode by saying, hey, you're wearing masks, but you're being able to be identified. You go ahead and wear a face shield and goggles. Nobody's going to see you. Man, Jeff, this went full conspiracy real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm no, just saying. No, look, I don't know. I, 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 I don't. I, I don't know where Fauci stands on this stuff. I, I, I think the man is is a, a healthcare nerd, and he probably doesn't even know what's happening in Portland. Um, th- th- I mean, that's that's my take on it. Um, I, I, I honestly, I'm perplexed though about the face shield stuff because they can't even get people to wear masks, and suddenly they're moving on to face shields. I'm, the the whole thing just, I mean, it, it makes my head hurt. And look, I, I don't, I, I don't have any conspiracies about Dr. Fauci. I, I think the man is an, is a healthcare nerd. Uh, he's got the ear of the president and, and he's doing the best he can, but he continues to step on himself. And I, I frankly think at this point, Fauci needs a media handler who can help him not step on himself. Like I think the president at this point needs a media handler who could just like, like let him tweet. Is there a way to allow the president to tweet so he thinks he's tweeting, but yet it doesn't actually show up on Twitter? Uh, because, I mean, and, and, you know, you've got Dr. Burks out there as well now saying, yeah, I, I agree with Fauci on face shields. Uh, I, I don't think that uh, we we need f- people in face shields. Y'all, I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm wearing a mask. And I'm I'm not I'm not going to wear a face shield. There's just no reason 
for me to to tell anyone to wear a face shield. I think that's dumb. And I think people aren't going to do it anyway. Um, I just, I what, what are they thinking? I, I don't know that they are thinking. I, I, I really do think, you know, y'all know the types. Most any of you know the type of person that is so focused on their work that that's all they can relate to. I mean, so I, I, I will tell you a, a funny, I will leave names out of it. Gosh, I think he sometimes listens, so he may hear this. You're, you're not allowed to be offended, you who I'm about to talk about, because you know it's true. Um, I was at a dinner a while back. Charlie, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I was at a dinner a while back with, with some uh, powerful and influential people. And one of the people who showed up is just, he, he is fixated on his work. This was during the Democratic primaries, and we're all sitting around at this house, very nice house, for this very nice person who who every single person here knows. And we're surrounded by a group of people who almost all of you would know. And in walks this uh, person who every one of you would know. The rest of us are sitting we're talking about barbecuing, uh, we're, we're talking about cooking. Uh, we're, 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 we're talking about, uh, at, at the time, we're, we're talking about football, uh, professional football. We're talking about the NFL, who is going to go to the World Series. And, and in walks this guy, and the first words out of his mouth is, boy, we're missing the Democratic debate. And all of us just kind of look at him like, uh, yep, we are. And we go back to talking about, uh, the, the NFL and, and how things are shaping up for the Super Bowl. We're in, in playoffs at this point. And he pipes up uh, it's something about Tom Brady. And then he says, yeah, it's, it's going to be like Kamala Harris on stage tonight. <laughs> I was like, really? Really? You who are listening, who I know you've listened to this program, know that I'm talking about you and I say it lovingly because I picked on you in person. Uh, the rest of you have no idea who I'm talking about, I realize, except y'all all know these people. Um, but you know those types of people. You encounter them in your work life and you encounter them in your daily life. Uh, someone who is incapable of having a conversation about anything other than their work. And I think Dr. Fauci must be like that. He, he may love him some Washington Nationals baseball, but uh, dude is is a one-track mind. Uh, this is a person who, who you can expect if he has kids. Uh, one of them is named Vaccine, and the other one is named Antibiotic. Um, that's how focused he is on his work. <laughs> As I, I, I don't think his face shields have anything to do with the conspiracy over actually uh, backing Antifa. I, I think he's just single-mindedly uh, a nerd focused on on one segment of life. And, and we're going to leave that segment behind when we come back and talk about other things, including the races here in Georgia. Can I just give a, a, a word of advice to, to people out there? I, I'm, I'm seeing companies selling masks. And can I just say, if you want someone to wear your mask, please, for all that is, is decent and holy, um, don't make it look like a cup that you wear in baseball or or uh, like you're strapping a jock strap to your face please don't don't think better about your designs if you want people to wear your mask cuz i just man you also don't want kids to get beat up by putting on a mask that looks like they've got a baseball cup strapped to their face i i just i'm i'm sorry but no no, no, that's that's not good. Please, please do better. Welcome. I'm sure you weren't expecting that. Welcome. <laughs> it is Eric Erickson here. 
across the state of Georgia and the nation. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Today is Friday, so you can ask me anything, 877-973-7425. Just tread lightly on the conspiracy theorizing, please. Please, 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 it's Friday. Let's just make it through the day without too many conspiracies. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, I just, that one, that one threw me. <laughs> um, To begin, to begin again anew with this, again, I, I, I'm going to keep raising it at the beginning of every show or every hour of this show. Uh, and to, I, I, this is the last day I will bring it up until next year. I'm raising money for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta for the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center. It is one of the most prestigious institutions in the country when it comes to fighting childhood cancers. Federal funding for childhood cancer amounts to 4% of the money available for research into cancer uh, or into childhood cancer. 96% of the money that comes to investigate and find cures for childhood cancer comes from donors. One of the foremost research institutes in the nation for it is the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. That institution treats children from 43 states and from all 159 counties in the state of Georgia. It is a very prominent institution. And the numbers, let me just give you some of the data. Because just for perspective, this is what your money goes for. The Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center has the largest pediatric hematology program in the country, including the largest pediatric sickle cell disease program, treats nearly 2,000 sickle cell disease patients every year. The Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center has the largest brain tumor program in the country, caring for more than 750 children and young adults with brain tumors each year. The center has one of the largest pediatric leukemia lymphoma programs in the country, caring for more than 800 children per year. The center is one of the largest pediatric blood marrow transplant programs in the country and performed 74 life-saving blood marrow transplants last year. The center is home to one of the leading MIBG programs in the country, treating more than 65 children with relapsed neuroblastoma over the past five years. They're the top referral center for uh, MIBG in the Southeast. Over the last 20 years, they've developed new cutting-edge therapies to allow for better treatment options with less side effects. Some of these programs include precision medicine, cancer predisposition, cellular therapy, proton beam radiation. All of these programs were developed because of donors, not because of federal funding. They employ uh, 110 faculty members. That is six times larger than they were in 2000. They have 50 advanced practice providers. In the past 20 years, the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorder Center at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta has gone from newly diagnosing 140 children with cancer to more than 470 per year. They've gone from 2,000 patient visits to more than 34,000 every year. They've expanded from 25 inpatient beds to 64, and they've got plans for 110 beds in the next five years. Now, some of you are wondering, well, what, what, what can my money do to help? Well, $5 funds teaching aids to help keep patients from falling behind in their studies. $10 provides tools to distract a patient during a painful procedure. $15 funds end-of-life activities to create tangible items for families. If you gave up eating a meal one time a month and committed to $15 a month, 
You could actually help a family build memories of their child, positive memories for their child who who they know at end of life. They're not going to be around and, and they want to build memories. You can provide prescriptions to fight the side effects of chemotherapy or to fund diagnostic testing for new patients. If you can really step up and give, $1,500 supports a cancer survivor testing for psychological, mental, and, and physical late effects of their cancer. Y'all, it, it's a worthy program. Um, I, I have been in toured. I have met the families who have been helped. My daughter has interviewed some of the patients who have been helped. I I can't commend it enough, and I, and I need to just tell you, I don't let the name fool you, the Aflac Cancer Blood Disorder Center. Aflac steps up and helps but they can't do it alone. And the federal government doesn't and the state government doesn't. It depends on donors. And let me tell you what your donor dollars do. It, it helps subsidize the cost of treatment for the poor. It helps provide arts and crafts for the kids who are stuck in the hospital. It provides the Thanksgiving Christmas meals and Christmas presents and Easter meals for families who are there on the holidays. It provides for room renovations and expansion of facilities. It provides for uh, a game room where the kids can go when they feel well enough to play. It provides for stuffed animals for the kids who are small and sick and scared and, and don't have the energy to talk. It provides for all sorts of stuff. And I just really want to encourage you to step up if you can. Uh, and let me give you the phone number, 888-750-2772. Uh, I just got an email that they've they got people on hold uh, because of the coronavirus. They couldn't get as many call screeners, so people are having to wait on hold to give. Please hold the line. Take the fight to cancer. Help fight childhood cancer. Uh, please, please, please um, do what you can to help. 888-750-2772. If you call in and you're willing to pledge, willing to donate, not pledged, but actually donate $500, at a point to be determined, we haven't set the date because of the virus, but every year I open my bourbon collection up to donors to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Uh, I take a curated, select, uh, great quality bottles to Atlanta, uh, to my office, and invite people in. Uh, one of my listeners runs a barbecue restaurant up in Canton. He brings barbecue and uh, brisket and pork and mac and cheese and baked beans and, and sweet tea and lemonade, and then we have bourbon. And I give everybody a, a tour of my office. Did you know one of the cool things in my office in Atlanta? You know the NBC tone? Boom, boom, boom. Well, my office in Atlanta, the, my radio station in Atlanta, was an NBC affiliate uh, in World War One, And they needed a way to signal that they were going to do news. And the head of the station, his child, had a xylophone. And he came up with that tone. Boom, boom, boom. And NBC loved it. And they started playing it. And the original xylophone is in the office, uh, just down the hall from from my office. And I take people on a tour of that, uh, that our TV studios, our radio studios, and and I feed everybody barbecue and let them drink my bourbon. And I've got some bottles. I know I'll be taking uh, some of the Jefferson's Oceans from their Voyage 19. That's the weeded one. And the Voyage 17. Uh, I've got a McKenna 10-year that a... a um, that, that a, a noted person gave me. I'll tell you who it was uh, if you come. Uh, I've got, I, I'm not, I'm not bringing, I love y'all, but I'm not bringing my pappy. <laughs> um, but I, I got, uh, Basil Hayden. I got Blanton's. Um, I I've got, I've got good selections of bourbon. I've even got a couple of like, I've got a Johnny Walker blue label and a, uh, like a 20 year old scotch, uh, that I'll probably bring. 
but it's 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 a good and worthy cause. And if you want it, you got to call 888-750-2772, pledge 500 bucks or give them $500 and say you want to come to my bourbon and butts. And we'll make it happen, and and I'll hang out with you. You can drink my bourbon, and you'll help fight childhood cancer, and please consider doing it. Uh, this is the last day that I'm do, doing this. We'll, we'll move next year. Um, we'll do it again on next year for the next Carathon. We do it once a year. I'm happy to help. I, it is for my evening show that I do it, but I just decided I now have a, a national platform with this show, and it is a cause for a for a center that helps kids across the nation, and I should do that. Now, I want to read you the opening of a story at CNN. This is the opening. Uh, the story is written by Gisela Crespo at CNN. Individuals with a cervix are now recommended to start cervical cancer screening at 25 and continue through age 65 with the primary human papillomavirus testing every five years as the preferred method of testing according to new guidelines released Thursday by the American Cancer Society. The cervical cancer screening recommendations say that HPV testing in combination with a pap test, also known as co-testing, every five years or a pap test alone every three years are still acceptable options as not all laboratories have transitioned to the primary HPV testing. The updated guidelines appear in the ACS's journal, a cancer journal for clinicians. Uh, can I please, um, please, can I, 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 can I highlight, please, this just hurts my brain, please, the first sentence again, individuals with a cervix. Do you know how they could shorten this and take out needless words? Because, you know, when you edit if you've ever gone through a class on editing, one of the things they tell you to do is to shorten your sentences by taking out unnecessary words. That if there is a, if there is a word that you can use that shortens the sentence by taking out unnecessary words, you should use that word. Individuals with a cervix are now recommended to start cervical cancer screening at 25. How, how about, uh, uh, let me be the editor for this piece. Bear with me, let me be the editor. How about we write it this way? Women are now recommended to start cervical cancer screenings at 25 and continue through age 65. Even if you put in biological women, you would still be shortening the phrase individuals with the cervix to two words. But it should just be one word. And it is fascinating how in a day and age of, of say their name, uh, the name you're not allowed to say anymore is women. And it's, it's fascinating to see this in the, the transgender community uh, de demanding that we get rid of the word women because some dudes have decided that they're women. Individuals with a cervix, that, that's called a woman. Men don't have a cervix. Men can't get pregnant. 
That's not me. That's science, by the way. That That's not me speaking. That's science. That's every biology textbook known to mankind. Uh, men can't get pregnant. Men do not have a, a female reproductive organ. Men do not have a cervix. Men do not have a uterus. Men do not have uh, fallopian tubes. Men do not have ovaries. If you are a man who has a uh, uterus and fallopian tubes and ovaries and a cervix, you are a woman. I'm sorry to break that news to you, but you happen to be a woman. And we have gotten to peak cancel culture where women are canceled in the name of the transgender advocacy movement, where we must make people who have mental health conditions feel good about themselves, but by not actually referring to them as what they are. That's just, this is a news outlet, a health outlet that can't bring itself to use the word women and must add extraneous words, individuals with a cervix, lest they offend a, 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 lest they offend a, a woman who happens to be a man. I, this, this, y'all, this is a bridge too far for me. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you are, if, if you suffer from a condition where you are a man and you think you're a woman, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that that's the situation. But that doesn't make you a woman. And I gotta, I gotta be on. Uh, and I don't particularly care for J.K. Rowling, but I gotta be on her side here. She, she's right. Uh, why can we, in an age of equality, in an age where women are supposed to matter, now we can't even use the word woman because some, some dude may get upset because he thinks he is a she. That's, that's not right. And it doesn't make you transphobic for pointing it out. Uh, science says, science says, science says women have a cervix and men don't. Can, can you, can, can, individuals with a prostate are now recommended to get prostate. I, no, men are recommended, men. And you know what, the, the irony here is you're actually more likely to find the, these politically correct police in the writing talk about men uh, and, and, and those individuals with a cervix, but men are supposed to do this. Why are we canceling the women? This is, this is just bizarre nonsense uh, in the 21st century that stuff like this uh, he gets picked up by mainstream outlets like CNN and, and thrown about. It's just, it's crazy talk. Uh, we, we are, we are mainlining, uh, nonsense and, and mainstreaming crazy all at the expense of the ability to point out, uh, biology and science. This has nothing to do with science and it has everything to do with, with mental health run amok in this country. You know, speaking of the crazy in the water, have y'all heard how Trader Joe's? I've never actually set foot in a Trader Joe's in my life. I've got no, I don't have one near me. I know people who drive an hour and a half to get to the nearest Trader Joe's to stockpile stuff. I don't have one. I've never been in one. But have you heard that they basically told cancel culturists to go pound sand? Uh, we need more businesses like Trader Joe's willing to tell the cancel culture uh, mob to go pound sand. Let me read you what they wrote. Uh, there have been this outrage over Trader Joe's, the names of some of their products that were somehow, they were offensive. Now, the only people complaining were the white hipsters. Um, they were offended on other people's behalf. You, you know, this is a level of of, of religious uh, devotion and, and, and virtue signaling out there that I'm offended on your behalf, people. 
to our valued customers. In light of recent feedback and attention we've received about our product naming, we have some things we'd like to say to clarify our approach. A few weeks ago, an online petition was launched calling on us to, quote, remove racist packaging from our products, end quote. Following were inaccurate reports that the petition prompted us to take action. We want to be clear. We disagree that any of these labels is racist, are racist. We do not make decisions based on petitions. We have decisions based on what customers purchase, as well as the feedback we receive from our customers and crew members. If we feel there is need for change, we do not hesitate to take actions. Decades ago, our buying team started using product names like Trader uh, Giotto's, Trader Jose's, Trader Ming's, etc. We thought then and still do that this naming of products could be fun and short appreciation for other cultures for example we name our mexican beer trader jose premium and a couple guacamole products are called avocados number in a kitschy reference to a mathematical theory these products have been really popular with our customers including some buddy mathematicians we constantly reevaluate what we are doing to ensure it makes sense for our business and aligns with our customers expectations a couple of years ago we asked our buying team to review all our products to see if we needed to update any older packages and also see if the associated brands developed years ago needed to be refreshed we found that some of the older names or products just weren't connecting or selling well so they were discontinued it's kind of what we do Recently, we have heard from many customers reaffirming that these name variations are largely viewed in exactly the way they were intended, as an attempt to have fun with our product marketing. We continue our ongoing evaluation of those products that resonate with our customers and sell well will remain on our shelves. Trader Joe's has been a unique, fun, and neighborly place to shop for over 50 years. We look forward to taking care of our wonderful customers for many decades. The only thing that could have made this letter better is if they were more deliberate in the first letter of each paragraph and in, in, including if, if, well, let's just say if the first paragraph started with an F and it descended from there and ended with the Y O U that you, <laughs> am I allowed to say, I, well, I just did. You get my point though. I mean, th this is a middle finger to cancel culture and good for them for, for holding the line uh, against cancel. It's so ridiculous. People get offended by the slightest stuff these days. It is ridiculous. It is stupid. Uh, you, you've got people who they can't even say at CNN now, they can't even say woman lest they offend the cancel culture crazies. And the cancel culture crazies came for trade. By the way, what is it about the kids these days? Yes, I am using the phrase the kids these days. What is it about you immature hipster kooks who think, I'm going to go to change.org and I'm going to sign a petition. I'm going to bring change. No, you're not. You're just going to show yourself to be an idiot. Do you really think going to change.org and doing a petition? <gasps> We've got 5 million people and we're upset that the sky is blue. We demand that it be changed. Do you really think that's going to do any good? I mean, this says more about the idiots who signed the petition than anything else. Good for Trader Joe's for standing up to the idiots out there. Uh, the, people are stupid, and they all go to change.org and start petitions. That That's what you need to get. That's the key takeaway from this. Don't go to change.org and start a petition. It's just a recognition that you're a stupid person. I, I, I just cancel culture has gotten out of hand. Uh, we need to cancel cancel culture, and we need to cancel the idiots who think that um, you can't say woman anymore because it'll somehow offend a dude who thinks he's a woman. Well, he's not a woman. Don't be worried about him. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-97-ERIC, 
973-7425. It's Friday, so we're, we're, we're generous with your ability to get on the phones. I, I need to do a public service announcement. Uh, if my buddy Todd is listening, he'll he'll appreciate me for doing this. But I, I actually, I did get an email. Uh, I found it during break. It apparently came through this morning. Um, and it is actually, they're sending it to a lot of radio show hosts around the country. <laughs> this is so bizarre. If you have a bucket of change in your house, please take it to your nearest uh, Coinstar vending machine and dump it in and get some money back, please. Uh, the, the U.S. Mint would like anyone. Uh, I'm staring at mine. It's kind of funny. Right, right here in my office, I'm, I'm staring over it. I got a big bucket of change. And the U.S. Mint would very much appreciate it if everyone who has a big bucket of change would go take it to one of those places that automatically counts your change for you and gives you uh, dollar bills back. And please, please, please take it uh, because there is a nationwide coin shortage. That's right. I am doing a public service announcement for the U.S. Mint, uh, which is just bizarre to me. But uh, because everyone's afraid to touch everything, and one of the things people are afraid to touch is coins, and people haven't been going out and shopping a lot with paper bills and, and coins. They've been using their credit cards, debit cards, and Apple Pay and the like. We have a nationwide coin shortage, and so the U.S. Mint is begging you people, please, if you have a box of change, if you have a jar of change, if you have it piled up under your couch or your bed or in your car console, please, for the love of all that is good and decent and holy in the world, please take it to one of those places that you can dump it in and it counts it because they are desperate to get coins back. Uh, people are not using them. They know they're out there. There are 40 billion. This is the stat. 40 billion with a B. $40 billion in loose change running around in this country collected in people's jars and cup holders and car consoles and underneath their couches. And the U.S. Mint is begging you, please, please go to the store. Please, please turn in your coins. Get dollar dollars back um, because they desperately need, they don't want to print more coins when they know there are $40 billion sitting out there uh, in a jar somewhere. So please do it. It is th This is my bit for, for God and country to tell you, I will take my jar of coins, you take your jar of coins, and we will all do it because uh, I'm telling you that there is a shortage. When, when I get emails from the U.S. Mint asking me on my radio program to tell you people to turn in your coins, please turn in your coins. They're that desperate for people to get coins back in circulation. Then, you know, there is a real problem here. They don't want to print additional coins because they are tied to a value. So if they go out and they print a bunch of new coins and then suddenly the uh, pandemic goes away and you start spinning your coins again, it devalues everything. They, they don't want to print more coins when they already know there are 40 billion of them, uh, $40 billion worth of coins sitting out there. Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, just please, and, and even dollar coins. Who uses dollar coins? You know, as an aside, I think that were I king for a day, I would make a really awesome dollar coin that everyone would want to have and use. It's like you you go to Great Britain and, and they have the pound coin. And I just I'm 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 totally fine with that. I, I would be and you know why? So there's this big, big conspiracy and I don't really even know that it's a conspiracy it's probably right that if, if you used a dollar coin that vending machines would just automatically up it to a dollar I think you gotta you gotta do a unique dollar design uh forget Sacagawea um put 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 something awesome on there 
put Neil Armstrong or somebody on the on the dollar coin and make it make it like Pentagon shaped or something something awesome. Um, make it an octagon, and people people would want those coins. They would use those coins, and they wouldn't get them confused with quarters. That's the problem with the dollar coin is it feels just like a quarter in your pocket if you give it a different shape. Like the pound is a is a fat coin. It's it, it's small and fat, and you reach into your pocket and you can just close your eyes and feel and say, "Oh, that's a pound." We need to do the same thing. Whoever designs our money, I I I don't know. I've done my bit now for the country. Go turn in your coins. Now, what was I going to talk about? I know what I, man, this is, this is, I've got so many different things that I've wanted to talk about all week that have piled up. I got to talk about Auburn. You all hate Auburn, don't you? <laughs> Everybody, except, even the Auburn fans sometimes hate Auburn. We, we got a, um, I got to read this one to you because this is just bizarre. There is a, Auburn has hired a white professor to, teach african-american studies and the dude is like a, a total hipster leftist uh jesse goldberg is the guy's name jesse goldberg phd this is from Yellowhammer blog he hasn't even started his first semester as a lecturer at auburn university but the incoming professor is igniting controversy a few months ago he admitted to posting his first controversial tweet as an auburn faculty member Ahead of starting his job as a lecturer of African-American and American literature and composition in the English department, he said, I know it's just a mascot, but I'm never going to be able to call myself a war eagle or say go war eagles. Sorry, I can't bring myself to enthusiastically and sincerely use a slogan greeting or cultural signal with war. As a primary descriptor, yeah, I know I'm being a party pooper, but it's the kind of language thing that sticks with me. You want to go work at Auburn, and you can't even call yourself a war eagle. Can you call yourself a tiger? No, I'm sorry. It's a, it's an endangered species, and we shouldn't be doing that because we're just promoting the collection of endangered species. Oh. You know what I need? I need a Sirius XM show that's not on terrestrial radio so I can say the words that are coming. <laughs> you know, if I did that, it would is like anonymity. It's bad for my sanctification if I did that. Well, in in, a, in another incident, apparently, um, Yellowhammer News notes that Goldberg's Twitter bio reads, Lecturer at Auburn U, Black Studies, Critical Prison Studies, Queer Theory, American Literature, Abolitionist, Martial artist, views are mine, he, him, his. Never take seriously someone who puts their preferred pronouns in their Twitter bio. Now, um, here, here's what he means by abolitionist. He puts it in his Twitter header. Not so much the abolition of prisons, but the abolition of a society that could have prisons, that could have slavery, that could have wages, and therefore not abolition as the elimination of anything, but abolition as the founding of a new society. He doesn't want us. He wants a, a society where you don't get paid. Even the commies pay you. Oh, and he further describes himself as a radical anti-racist white Jewish teacher who has appropriated a black person's job teaching African-American literature. Think about that for a moment. Uh, the, 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 the white dude is, has taken the job of a black person who could teach African-American literature. 
He also has tweeted, um, F every single cop. Now, he actually wrote out the word. I, I, I will not. Uh, every single one. The only ethical choice for any cop to make at this point is to refuse to do their job and quit. The police do not protect people. They protect capital. They are instruments of violence on behalf of capital. Oh, good grief. Um, this came after New York supposedly abducted a protester. It turns out that the protester was actually arrested uh, on open warrants by plainclothes officers. But this guy who's now a lecturer at Auburn who might teach your children said the arrest was actually a kidnapping. Uh, Now, let's see. Um, A spokesman for Auburn University said, we find Mr. Goldberg's comments inexcusable and completely counter to Auburn values. Hate speech of any kind is simply wrong. Auburn is fully committed to the fundamental right of free speech, but we do not support hateful words or actions that degrade, disrespect, and exclude, especially during these difficult times. It's vital we reject crude stereotypes and work together to foster multiple mutual understanding and respect within our communities. Auburn officials are considering options available to the university. Oh, my goodness. On Thursday, he uh, posted a poem entitled Against the Police. My entire aura is against the police. If I read a love poem, it's against the police. And if I sing the nakedness of bodies, I sing against the police. And if I make this earth a metaphor, I make a metaphor against the police. If I speak wildly in my poems, I speak against the police. And if I manage to create a poem, it's against the police. I haven't written a single word of verse of stanza that isn't against the police. All my prose is against the police. My entire aura, including this poem, my entire aura is against the police. And then he yet again emphasizes, this is, this guy is teaching your kids at Auburn. This is why you should go to Georgia. This is why you should go to Georgia. This is why you should send your kids to Georgia and not Auburn. Um, this, this is, I mean, even, I mean, send your kids to Georgia Tech. I mean, they got crazies at all those places, but this guy at Auburn, he he's, uh, I mean, and you should picture, picture this guy. In your, you don't even need me to describe him for you to picture this guy in your head. Jesse Goldberg, PhD, a, a um, lecturer on black studies and queer theory. Why do they, you see, this is the problem with these diversity classes. You know, I've mentioned this before. I I went to Mercer University and they've got them, you know, African-American studies, women and gender studies, grievance studies, how to be a perpetual victim in life, how to shake down corporations and make them feel bad and give money to your favorite cause classes. I mean, that's what all this stuff is. The women and gender studies nonsense. You've got deep voice women with hairy legs who stand around telling everyone they can't get a date because men hate women. And actually, no, if you shaved your legs and put on some makeup, people might actually want to date you but no that's not funny you're not allowed to say that (laughs) and then you've got this guy white dude who wants to teach you about uh black studies yes because if there's something i i mean do you remember do you recall what was it a month ago we were all told we need to shut up and listen to our black friends Two months ago, after the George Floyd stuff now, two months ago, everybody was putting their their black squares on Instagram. We're going to have a day to listen. 
We're going to listen to black voices. We're going to listen to their experience. We're going to listen to how society has marginalized them. And we're going to learn and we're going to do better. And along comes Jesse Goldberg, PhD, and says, I'm going to teach black studies. And I hate the police. And we need to defund the police. And no good police officer goes to work because they protect capital, not people. Really. Um, it's, I, I just, listen, if we're, if we're going to go down this road uh, of grievance studies, and we're going to be lectured for months on we need to listen to. And by the way, I, I took that seriously. Shut up and listen. Um, a, a lot of you are, are convinced there's no racism in the country. I shouldn't say a lot of you. Most of you know. But there are a lot of people that are, there's no racism anymore. No, I've seen it with my own eyes. I, I, I know it's a real problem. I have black friends who tell me about it. I I've, I go somewhere. I've got a black friend. And, and when we drive together, he makes me drive because we're going to get pulled over in his car. I've got a friend of mine who is is of Mexican descent. And you'd never know it. He looks Irish. And he's got a little beat up pickup truck with a, a lady of Guadalupe on the back of his car. And the number of times he gets pulled over only to see the police officers get bug eyed when they see this redheaded Irishman in the front seat, instead of a guy who looks like he's from Mexico, he's like, yes, racial profiling is real. Yes. This stuff happens. All you got to do is listen to the people who've had it happen to them. But, and now we're going to listen to Jesse Goldberg who hates the police and wants to teach black studies and queer theory at Auburn university, no less at Auburn. And can't even bring himself. I, I personally think that this is the most outrageous part. And I, I need to reiterate what this person says. I know it's just a mascot, but I'm never going to be able to call myself a war eagle or say go war eagles. Sorry, I can't bring myself to enthusiastically and sincerely use a slogan greeting cultural sign with war as a primary descriptor. Yeah. I know I'm being a party pooper, but it's the kind of language thing that sticks with me. Why the hell did you decide you wanted to teach at a place whose mascot is a war eagle? I guess you got confused by the Auburn Tigers thing. That's always confused me as well. But then what do you get from a college campus that's a trailer park? I mean, they, they, they got to they gotta have two different things. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding about the trailer park, maybe. <laughs> I apologize to the program directors for all the Auburn fans burning down your offices like their athletic field did when LSU beat them a few years ago. Um, I, it just, man, y'all, this is, this is something. And, and so now I've got a question. I have an important question. When Brian Keeter, the university's executive director for public affairs, said, we find Mr. Goldberg's comments inexcusable and completely counter to Auburn values. Hate speech of any kind is simply wrong. Was he talking about him not wanting to be a war eagle or him wanting all cops to go away and be banished and get rid of capital and abolish any society that pays people money? Why doesn't he go first, by the way? If he wants a society where you don't pay people money, why doesn't he give up his salary first? He can work for free, and then he can lord that over people's heads that he works for free and stick it to the man that way, I guess. These people, why do why does why do these people and you notice he's not like he's not like a, a useful academic. 
I mean, he's not teaching people math or science or history. He's teaching them how to be professional grievance mongers. That's what all of these little diversity class things are these days is, is to teach people how to be professional grievance mongers. I'm surprised he doesn't have a job in winter, women and gender studies either. I uh, just, uh, good gracious, this stuff. Uh, kids, don't send your kids to college, at least not to Auburn until they clean this mess up. Hello there. For those of you who are looking on the live stream, I need to show you a picture off my computer. If I can figure out how am I doing this? I'm doing it this way. You need to see this because it's awesome. And the rest of you need to hear about it. My Glock 43X from True Precision. It is awesome. It is gorgeous. It is made in Austria. It is upgraded by True Precision. I've got a, a slide. It is a camo slide. I picked it out, powder-coated gorgeousness. I've got a barrel that I picked out. I, I got to upgrade the trigger now. Uh, the grip I picked out, the sights, I, I just, it is a beautiful gun. Uh, it is beautiful, 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 and it is a True Precision gun. And I can't commend them enough. It is a work of art. Those of you who are looking on the live stream, you see it. It's just gorgeousness. It is, it is a beautiful gun. I'm taking it uh, to the gun range this weekend, as a matter of fact. And you really genuinely need to go to true-precision.com and upgrade your gun. They don't just do Glocks. And if you do go to true-precision.com and you see their slides and their barrels and their triggers, if you buy them, you can buy that stuff online and they'll ship it directly to you. Because it's not the full gun you're buying. You're buying the upgraded pieces. They can send that to you. And if you put Eric in as your checkout code, E-R-I-C-K, you get 10% off. Y'all, it's gorgeous stuff. It is a beautiful gun. I get complimented on it every time I go to the gun range. Everybody who sees it is is just impressed with their work. Uh, and you will be impressed with their work as well. True-precision.com. If you want to upgrade, you know what? I'm going to go to their website right now. Um, because y'all, I'm just, I'm such a fan of theirs. I really am. Uh, it is a true dash precision.com. You can get, let's see their barrels. They've got Glock. They got SIG. They've got M and P they've got slides for the Glock and, and the SIG. Uh, y'all, it is just, they got gorgeous stuff. Uh, and I even know the guy who does their, their, the guy who does their photography did the photography for my radio show. And you can buy their barrels. You can buy their slides. Uh, you can put it in your shopping cart. Let's see. They've got a Glock 19 non-threaded barrel you can add to the cart. And then when you check out, you put Eric in as your discount code. And boom, there you go. You get a 10% off. Um, it, it's it's fantastic. And I love these people. True-precision.com. Now. We're headed into the weekend, and I'm sure it's going to be a crazy wild weekend for a lot of you, but I want you to realize that at least here in Georgia, we're not surrounded by stupid people as much as they are in the upper Midwest, where a, a couple who owns a bed and breakfast in St. John's, Michigan, they have had to take their Norwegian flag off their front porch. Do you know why they've had it? And the Norwegian flag is uh, red, white, and blue. It's got a blue cross outlined in white with, with, with red around it, and there are no stars, and yet some idiots have confused it for the Confederate battle flag. It looks nothing like the Confederate battle flag, and yet some idiots did confuse it. And so they've had to take it down 
from their house because they were getting threatened because people are stupid. Don't be stupid people. Say women instead of individuals with cervixes and and understand your know your flags, folks. Don't be stupid this weekend. At Speedway, we've always been here to get you what you need when you need it. We're committed to keeping our stores open, clean, and safe so you can stay fueled and refreshed all summer long. We've got cold drinks for hot days and frozen drinks for even hotter ones, plus energy boosts, quick bites, and pick-me-ups. We're always on your way, and we're always here for you. So no matter what you need, when you stop by, we'll be ready. Now buy any three cooler beverages and get 500 bonus Speedy Rewards points. Now that's a parking spot. Introducing the I may have underestimated the size of my car policy with accident forgiveness from American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote. Find an agent. Visit AmFam.com. Optional policy features not included in base policies. Review policy for coverages and exclusions. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.